this is uh, Will Portacio. Hi, this is Brian Azarelli. This is Freddie Williams. Hi, this is Lee Bermeo. Hi, this is Matt Wagner. Hey, this is Tim Sayer. Hi, this is Nadia DeColibus. And Christina Ware. Hey, this is Ethan Van Skybro. Hey, I'm Duffy Wynn. Hi, this is Kevin Van Duffy here. This is the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 39. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... It's Apple. And this is Zach. And we are bringing you the latest comic news, the comic book reviews from the past two weeks, as well as upcoming releases and bad books for beginners. Uh, so let's get right into comic news. What have you got for me? There's only uh, two real quick things for comic news. Uh, but we do have seven books to review, so let's talk about what we do have as far as comic news. On February 15th, Comic Book Resources posted up an interview that they did with Tony Daniel. And Daniel, who, as we know, is currently writing Batman, is going to kind of discuss what's what the future of him and Batman. So, Zach will read for Comic Book Resources, and I will read for Tony Daniel, and we'll cover some of the highlights from that interview. Why do you think Dick Grayson works as Batman? And do you believe he was the rightful successor to Bruce Wayne? Dick was Batman's first Robin. He was there at the beginning. He's matured and led the Teen Titans. Then he became Nightwing. I think he's proven himself to be a natural leader. I think the fans have seen him for a long time as a borderline A-list character. Batman mantle or not. No one knows Bruce better, and I don't see anyone else that could possibly handle the mantle more than Dick. You've managed to roll a number of Batman's rogues gallery into the book already, namely Catwoman, Huntress, Penguin, and the Riddler. Do you have a favorite, and who should we keep our eye on, especially as we move towards Batman 700? I'd say keep an eye on Riddler. Obviously, there's something funky going on with his memory. Is he getting his memories back? Some of them? All of them? That's going to be fun. Also, Kitarina is here to stay, so look for something big to happen with her at the end of the arc. What's happening on May 10th? A quick glance at the calendar indicates that it may be the release date of Batman 699. But is there something more to it than that? The Riddler doesn't look quite himself on the cover of 698. Forget that cover. I redrew it. Batman's no longer holding the calendar page. Oops, I don't know when to shut up. Okay, can you tell us then if you will be involved in Batman 700? And if not, for the landmark anniversary issue, what about 701 and beyond? I will be involved with number 700. It will be a lot of fun. I can't say exactly what's going on with that issue, but it's a special issue. After number 700, that's being discussed right now. I have a few options on the table and have some hard choices ahead of me. Uh, So yeah, let's cover a couple of things here. The very first thing is, um, why does comic book resources say Rogue's Gallery and then mention Huntress? Not sure. Uh, The other thing I'd really like to know is... Why would they say that May 10th is going to be the release date or the possibility of a release date when May 10th is on a Monday? They obviously haven't gotten their facts. (laughs) Or they're misinformed somehow. Yeah. Well, either way, we'll have to see. So let's move on to the other bit of news we've got, which was on February 16th. The DC posted the solicitations for May, and although the books were hinted at all over on various sites Uh, the complete list was announced on February 16th there are a bunch of different books that will be coming out Uh, among the books coming out uh, we'll have the conclusion to the next story arc of Batman and Robin 
Uh, obviously, Batman Confidential and Red Robin. Red Robin will also be a, a conclusion to the story arc. Uh, we'll see Batgirl, Batman 699. We will see the very first issue of uh, Batman The Return of Bruce Wayne along with the second issue as it's going to, I guess, be coming out bi-weekly. We're going to see a trade paperback that connects a good chunk of the first couple issues of Streets of Gotham. Uh, trade paperback for Outsiders and one for Batman as, as well. Azrael, Streets of Gotham, Brave and the Bold, Birds of Prey, the first issue finally was announced. Superman, Batman... Detective Comics, Gotham City Sirens, and then we will also see a trade that will be called DC's Greatest Imaginary Stories Volume 2, and we'll focus on Batman and Robin. So those are the ones you can look forward to in May. Let me worry about that. Alright, so that's what we've got for comic news. Let's move into our upcoming trade paperbacks. We've got a, uh, the very first one on March 10th. We have Batman Heart of Hush. Uh, the solicitation reads, Secrets shared years ago between Bruce Wayne and Hush come to light in the present. This new paperback collects Detective Comics number 846-850, and this will be 144 pages and $14.99. Moving on to March 17th, we have Batman International, and the solicitation reads, When a string of bizarre murders hits Barcelona, the Dark Knight makes its, its top priority. This new title also features Batman the Scottish Connection, illustrated by Frank Quietly, plus Batman Legends of the Dark Knight number 52 and 53. This will be 168 pages and be $17.99. It's because Barcelona sucked. <laughs> Put some other books with it. <laughs> oh, man. That, that just made me laugh. Alright, so that's all your trade paperbacks for the next two weeks. Let's get right into our comic reviews, and we're going to start off with Gotham City Sirens. Take it away, Zach. Alright, and that is going to take us to Gotham City Sirens number 9, which is actually written by Paul Dini, surprisingly, with art done by Gilliam March. The issue opens with Edward Nigma entering his office only to find the sirens waiting. The girls need Nigma's help. A mauled body has been dropped off at the hideout. Nigma wants to hear the story from the top and Harley goes first. She goes through her daily activities and then returns from walking the hyenas and decides to go for a swim. We then see the body falling from the sky into the pool. Ivy explains that she was just returning home from a job interview when she saw this as well. The job interview comment surprises Nigma, which leads to Ivy describing her day as well. Cutting back to the office, Nigma seems to be overwhelmed by all of this information, and Selina is concerned. We also see that Nigma's dark side is beginning to taunt him. Nigma then asks if anything else out of the ordinary happened that day. Ivy says no, and Nigma turns to Selina. She explains that she went for a checkup and then headed out for some physical therapy, which actually means uh, some hand-to-hand -hand combat. Selina begins to head home when she then sees the falling body, still breathing, and Selina says the girl said the word doctor before falling to her death. The girls state that they tried to re revive her, but it was too late and that it was someone they had never seen before. Nigma says to wait at the office, and he heads off to check things out. While investigating, the Riddler continues to haunt Nigma. Nigma keeps telling himself to hold it together. At the scene, Nigma figures she was a young nurse with multiple lacerations. The body is also made to look like the girls killed her with clown makeup, veins, and cat claw marks. However, Nigma explains that the extras are not compatible with the girls' usual methods. Nigma also finds a feather, which leads him to assume the penguin. As Nigma strolls through the house, he is met by Harley's hyenas who are fleeing with fright. 
this surprises Nigma, and then he is attacked by some eagles and gets up to be greeted by a rather large lion. Then he realizes why the hyenas were fleeing. Nigma dodges the lion's attack, but then sees more animals. Nigma then realizes the girl was calling out the name of her killer, Dr. Aesop, to be continued. That's right, pigs, and here's the paddle. Okay, and we're going to go ahead and cover is Superman Batman 69, Our World's at War, The Aftermath. And, uh, of course, where we left off, Superman was already going to fight NRGX as he attacked uh, the Daily Planet. And so as we see, then we come into uh, what shows Metropolis, where it's showing where the Daily Planet's on fire. And then we see uh, a pan story going to uh, Gotham City where, of course, we see Bruce Wayne, you know, going to another function. And, of course, on the dark side of the moon, we see the Krypton spaceship that was right behind there. Now we see the the whole negotiation part of what got Energy X to attack the Daily Planet and go after Clark Kent. And so we see a guy, he's hiding in the sunlight, and he's telling them that, you know, we hear that you, we can, you know, hire you for mischief. And you can't really see his face. He goes, uh, you know, Energy X says, you know, go ahead and keep talking. And then we see where uh, it picks off, see him and Superman are going back and forth, talking, and of course he just says, you know, you weren't the one I was meant to kill, I was meant to kill Clark Kent. And so, so this, you know, he tells him that that's his target, you know. And then he goes, uh, he that uh, Superman and uh, Energy X, uh, they go keep going back and forth. And of course, uh, he tries to get him and says, of course, you know, use the man of steel, but steel melts. And then all you see is just like a a big boom come out, and uh, Superman is just thrown into the river. Energy X looks like he's just flown away. We pan to Gotham City, where it shows uh, two hours earlier where uh, Bruce Wayne is, of course, talking and, you know, being his normal uh, Bruce Wayne millionaire self uh, at this party. And then we then see Anderson Gaines, who is the, I guess, secret funder for the Star Labs. And however, but Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne now knows that, you know, he's not the secret funder anymore, which is kind of funny. And for Josh, you know, we could talk about the continuity area right there. <laughs> and it was just in the last book. But um, uh, we see Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, of course, shakes his hand and he becomes very suspicious of him as they hold their conversation. Uh, as they go through, of course, uh, Anderson Gaines looks across the city of, of Gotham City and he says, you know, this is some view. And then, of course, uh, him and Bruce talk again. And this is where Bruce, being the ever detective, dives in further, getting to know this guy. And Bruce comes back and shakes his hand, which he originally shaked it. But, you know, the artist kind of poked it out again. So, you know, good storyboards right there. Bruce then analyzes his hand, tries to find out, you know, what about this guy's identity. Uh, we see Superman, of course, doing the Superman thing, trying to save the Daily Planet after uh, Energy X left like it. And kind of like, I mean, smoke is all over Metropolis in this area. We see Bruce lying down his hand like on it looks like, uh, like a skin graft uh, scanner. And so uh, we then see them pan out, go to the, the JLA watchtower, and Tim, uh, Batman and uh, Superman start talking about, and he discovers that the cell sample that he took, they're now dealing with the shapeshifter. And so Superman calls, of course, you know, that makes sense. And then we see Gaines Adams going to the Star Labs Corporation, the main headquarters in Metropolis, and then they start explaining that, you know, 
uh, Superman wanted to go off and handle it because this was a war between the the Kryptonians and an alien race. He then takes off. Of course, he's looking at Superman on TV, of course, seeing that his favorite son's in the shadow of it. It looked like there's nothing but tentacles coming out of of Gaines Anderson. And of course, Batman says tells Superman, "Don't rush. You know, we were going to have the element of surprise." Not that we just go off and start attacking, but we can use this. That's where uh, we then see Gaines Adams kind of doing like a ritual where he starts getting on his knees, kind of praying to his fallen alien race where they have fought nothing but Kryptonians. Batman and Superman start setting up a plan. That's where it kind of leads off uh, to be continued where they now know who the shapeshifter is. And that's Superman and Batman 69. <laughs> Marvelous. Simply Alright, so let's continue some Batman Streets of Gotham, number 9. We, of course, knew that this was supposed to be Paul Dini because it was solicited as Paul Dini, but it's not. It's actually Mike Benson continuing his story from last month. So the issue actually starts off right exactly where issue 8 left off. Dick and the escort are up in the penthouse when the armed man bursts through the door. We automatically think that the Iron Man is actually a jealous boyfriend, but instead it's not the boyfriend, but somebody completely different. The guy who bursts in the door smacks the escort across the face and demands uh, Dick's valuables. Dick is obviously, during this entire exchange, is figuring out all of the movements of the hunter. The hunter keeps a gun pointed at him the entire time, but the escort makes a remark distracting him for a brief second, and this gives Dick enough time to land a knee right to the man's face. The hunter becomes completely disoriented and becomes unconscious. The escort quickly exits the room and makes her way out of the building. As she is running, the doorman, who we saw in last issues, whose name is Anthony, asks her if everything is okay. Back at police headquarters, the hunter, whose name is Sal, is being questioned by Commissioner Gordon Batman. Sal is hesitant to talk at first, but soon Batman persuades him into talking. Batman and Gordon then bring in the escort, Sophia. We learn that Sophia and Sal have been blackmailing the same men who have been found murdered. Sophia would take them back to the room, and then Sal would barge in and scare them. They accuse her of killing the men, but she pleads her innocence. Gordon demands a name from her, and she gives them a name of an ex-boyfriend whose name is Roland Davis. Batman knows she is innocent and tells Gordon to let her go. Gordon agrees reluctantly, but there's a twist. Sophia is dropped back off at the penthouse and then heads back to work. She runs into the ex-boyfriend at the club and is shaken up. She then heads home, and upon entering the elevator... Roland enters and begs her to take him back. Anthony, the doorman, then enters and takes control of the situation. He basically beats the heck out of the Roland. Gordon enters the elevator and arrests Roland because they were watching her the entire time. In the interrogation room, Roland receives some tough love from Batman and Gordon, but maintains his innocence. Gordon and Batman know they can't hold Roland for long and decide to take another crack at a setup. Back at the nightclub, we see Sophia sitting with another man who remains hidden. They leave the club and head back to the penthouse. Two hours later, the man exits the penthouse alone. He begins walking down the sidewalk when they, we see a large figure approach him. The man turns down an alley and sees the dead body of Roland Davis. The man is shocked by this and we learn that it is none other than actually Gordon. Commissioner Gordon is then confronted by Anthony with a knife in hand. Anthony attacks Gordon, 
but Batman is there to moderate the situation. Anthony turns out to be the killer. Uh, surprise, surprise. Gordon informs Sophia that it is over and takes her to a bus station to get her out of town to start a new life. So that is that. So let's get into the co-feature. Very short co-feature story because uh, obviously it's short, but the it didn't really go anywhere with this specific thing. Uh, we see Manhunter being the snot out of a bunch of uh, thugs looking for answers that they don't have. Uh, then we cut to the courtroom 12 hours earlier where Dent is asking for a bench trial because of his horrid facial features. This leads Kate asking the judge to relieve himself of the case because he has he knows Dent. This upsets the judge and grants Harvey his request. Court is adjourned and rescheduled for Thursday. Back in Los Angeles, uh, we see Kate's son Ramsey has decided to head to Gotham to help his mother and is riding in the boxcar on a train. We then cut back to Manhunter beating up the thug when she's confronted by Huntress. Huntress offers Manhunter her help in finding something to bring Dent down. We then cut to Thursday back in the courtroom, where Harvey is outwitting Kate and then Commissioner Gordon is called onto the witness stand. Dent asks Gordon why he would have kept him alive if Gordon knew Dent killed the district attorney. This upsets Gordon, and Kate knows she's in for a real roller coaster. And that is Batman Streets of Gotham number nine. Decent people shouldn't live here. They'd be happier someplace else. That is going to take us to Outsiders number 27, written by Dan DiDio, with art by Don Kramer. The issue opens with Black Lightning, who has just barged into a meeting between Geoforce and the Eradicator. Black Lightning is upset that Geoforce is forging agreement with Krypton, despite the fact that everyone considers them a threat. After a battle of intimidation, Black Lightning leaves the two and heads back to the Outsiders' headquarters. Black Lightning explains to the rest of the Outsiders that the Eradicator is a Kryptonian copy and the Geoforce stood him up. Black Lightning is then informed by the Outsiders that Markovia is getting worse. On Markovia, the Masters of Disaster supervillain team have infiltrated some sort of laboratory. And a little side note, the original Masters of Disaster supervillain team, which included New Wave, Cold Snap, and Heatstroke, uh, they first appeared in Batman and the Outsiders number 9 from 1984, in case you missed that one. Anyways, so they make quick work of the defenses and head for the vault. We cut back to the outsiders who have contacted Alfred and asked if he could look into where they stand with the government. During this time, Alman pulls Katana aside and lets her know he is there for her. The two have a moment going for a kiss when they are interrupted by Geoforce. The security systems go off and they learn that Markovia is under attack. The outsiders head out to defend it. While leaving, Owlman pulls Black Lightning aside and expresses his concern about Geoforce's recent irrational behavior. Owlman suggests that Geoforce's throat was never cut by Deathstroke, but that Geoforce tried to commit suicide and cut his throat himself. This leaves Black Lightning in a rather awkward situation. Back on Markovia, the Masters of Disaster supervillain team are trying to use their powers to break into the vault. However, their attempts are unsuccessful. They are then attacked by the Outsiders... During the battle, Geoforce continues to cross the line and Black Lightning confronts him. This infuriates Geoforce and pushes Black Lightning inside. Black Lightning then strikes Geoforce and Geoforce demands that Black Lightning leave or he will beat him to submission. Black Lightning accepts the challenge and next issue, Hell on Earth. Who, who are you? I'm your worst nightmare. Asriel, number five, written by Fabian Nariz and art by Raymond Bach. We see Gotham City 
And of course, we see uh, a news bulletin coming across about the the council concluding a state uh, statement of talking about the Palestine's liberation of their organization and affirming the rights of uh, Israel Prime Minister uh, Levi Ashaki issued a formal response. And of course, we see a father and his son in front of the TV. And of course, the father says, "You know, this won't turn out well." We see the child saying, "Don't they deserve the same rights like us, Dad?" And he goes, uh, "They don't want to just exist, Rory. They want to keep us from existing." He goes, that's why this will not turn out well. And then we see a message where uh, Marion and then we see a young Michael Lane where the, it looks like they had thrown a brick through a window and it says, go home. It just says, uh, Marion says, you know, that, you know, message sent Mikey. And then he goes, and he goes, they're, they, their kind do not belong with our kind. Kind of things never turn out well. And so it kind of shows like the ignorance in the people about, I guess, people of the Middle, of Middle Eastern you know now we see Gotham City Azrael's flying over the top we then see him going after a couple of uh it looks like a hooded man they're really kind of decked out like SWAT and Azrael comes down of course he look they're like who are you and Azrael comes down with the with you know with a course with his swords and he goes what are you after and you know we're here to protect the the homeland you know uh Azrael then lifts the mask and says my name is Azrael and as he lifts the other gentleman's mask and then he goes and I've been chosen to represent God's justice and they they share a banner forth of each other's religious side and of course what are they doing on the side of uh from the is their Israel special forces and what are they risking coming inside the U- U.S. borders and of course they say that they're you know of course they're after a certain gentleman we then see rory as he's older and it says that as they come in they say you know he's talking to some gentleman and in the shop and of course you know as they leave he goes the night has just started for the ragman within the background of his shadow you can kind of see a silhouette of his other character as this carries on we see uh michael lane trying to get some information from a detective about one of the gentlemen that was beat that was beat up and so he asked, you know, Peter looks like a former cop. He goes, he goes, you work in the Mossad case. And Mossad was the, the gentleman that had got beat up. And so he goes through, Michael gets all the information that he can from him. And of course, as the, they're sitting in the bar, one of the drunks says, hey, isn't that guy familiar? They're like, yeah, that's Michael Lane, right? And so he goes, yeah, that was Michael Lane, you know? Oh, yeah, that, that Satan cult thing, crap, some mess. <laughs> and then they're like, killing the name of God or the devil never made much sense sense to me so uh the, we then pan out of course see michael lane and of course when he comes home you see the the kids run up to him of course you know he's their uncle and it says uh you know not not now mj and then we see him talking to jenny and jenny they share back and forth a little discussion about you know about what he does at night and uh, she already knows and she's wanting to know why she wasn't judged because her husband and her sister-in-law were dead and she's not arrested and of course he tells her you know batman has some pull with the the commissioner but of course you know she wasn't guilty but you know of course she's blaming herself so you know he always tells her that you have to be there for mj and tamara and so uh, they then talk. Then we see uh, it looks like the, the Israel Special Attack Force come out. Ragman comes out from a from a dark spot, and he starts having you know talking about souls and stuff. Azrael pans out, and he finds the Mossad man. And then we see him beat up, and Azrael's talking about what they want with you, you know. And then Ragman then comes in. 
Azrael tries to get the truth out of him, sticks the swords through him, and, you know, of course, Ragman tells him, you know, that, you know, the swords will not have an effect on him because, you know, the deeper part of souls is, is deeper than what he can find. And so we then see a flashback of the people that worn the suit of sorrows from Azrael's side, and Azrael's down, bending down. You could kind of see now Rory going back into, like, his little part, and he sees the special task force in his meaning. Azrael and, um, and Ragman, you know, talk back and forth and as they go back and forth you kind of see like the middle eastern family that you know he was just supposed to come here and attend college and he's not attending college you know and of course ragman says you know which leads us into a mess like this in the first place you know and azrael says it's ridiculous it's all they know how to do what about you and then speaking about kind of like the violence that azrael is kind of doing and it just leads off right there that's the end of azrael number five okay everybody Freeze! Hey! I wanted to say it! Alright, so that's going to take us to Batman 696. This issue was written by Tony Daniel, and the art is also obviously by Tony Daniel as well. So we first start off, we see a bunch of seagulls that are eating a bunch of bloody meat, and we see Batman laying face first in what appears to be the coastline of Gotham. We hear somebody say, Epic fail. And then we see it's actually Robin telling him that he screwed up big time. And he said, well, did you kill Black Mask? Then we see something that says nine hours earlier outside the mayor's office. We see a bunch of cops talking about how the Falcones are just the first. Uh, Maroney family will come back as well. Obviously talking about the Falcones coming back to Gotham City. When Batman comes down and starts taking out uh, the cops left and right. And then we see that he's wearing a gas mask. Then we see him about to black out. And we see him and Robin getting into the Batmobile and driving towards the Batcave. We see what appears to be, again, back beforehand, uh, back in time, we see Mayor Hattie's office. And he's talking to the Penguin, saying, I hear you, uh, but don't blame me if you get ripped off. And this was seven hours earlier, so two hours after Batman took out those cops. Batman comes crashing through the window, starts uh, beating him to beating him pretty badly, so he would tell him exactly where the GenCore package is. He tells him where it is, he takes the GenCore package, and just as he's taking it, uh, Gordon bursts in and sees that it was Batman beating up the mayor, and Batman left actually two of the antidotes from GenCore sitting there for Commissioner Gordon. Go back to the present where Dick Grayson is laying bandaged up in the Batcave and Oracle's sitting above him along with Alfred and they're trying to figure out exactly what happened. Again, we go back to the past six hours earlier where we see Kitarina talking with her uh, partner in crime who is about to kill her after Kitarina has actually got the piece of machinery which is a camera with some digital imaging software on it to take care of exactly what they need to do. Catwoman comes out of nowhere, stops the girl from killing her. Catwoman and Katarina team up as Batman bursts through the window, takes Catwoman out, and basically takes Katarina with him. We go back to the present, where we see a bunch of news clips on TV talking about how there's a lot of things happening in Devil's Square and the National Guard's coming in. Then we see we go back again to the past where we're now five hours earlier where Batman is taking out 
numerous false faces around town. He meets up with Penguin and Mad Hatter, who they basically decided they basically put out there at this point that uh, the gas mask is a combination of not only the toxin that Black Mask used, but also the mind te- mind control technology that Mad Hatter's created. We see a building blow up, which at this point it's hard to tell exactly what the building is because we're jumping around a lot here. We see Batman talking to Penguin and Mad Hatter, but it's actually obviously them explaining it when they first gets the gas mask. We see Batman and Katarina flying around or going into the sewers of Gotham City, and they're talking about how they figured out exactly where Black Black Mask's uh, headquarters are. Katarina figures out that Batman is actually going to kill Black Mask, and she says, "No, you can't kill him." Out of nowhere, Black Mask, Hugo Strange, and Fright come out. Batman gets the gas mask off, and we see a nice little fight scene between Black Mask and Batman. Black Mask basically beats the crap out of Batman specifically because he can't, and he has absolutely no option whatsoever because he's drugged up so bad. He gives himself an antidote, but it's not going to do enough for him. He's able to get out, but not before getting shot in the chest three times and falling out the side of the building. Cut back to now, where Dick is now talking to Oracle, telling him uh, he, uh, he he knows exactly who Black Mask is, and that's what we've got for Batman 696. We wouldn't want our little caged rodent to suffocate, so we'll just punch some holes. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, we are going to move into Batman and Robin number 9, written by Grant Morrison, and for the final time, unfortunately, Cameron Stewart on artwork. The issue begins with Dick Squire and Cyril standing over the dead body of Batwoman. Cyril and Squire ask what happened, and Dick explains that he gave her his morphine, and she overdosed. The two look a little confused, and Dick explains that it was her idea. She was too badly crippled to survive. However, they are conveniently above a Lazarus pit. All they have to do is remove all the rubble from the explosion, which they do, and they can place her in the pit. Squire then comments about the mad Batman, and Dick explains that it wasn't Batman. The fighting style was all wrong. Dick then predicts that the clone will follow his instincts and head home. We then cut to Wayne Tower and see that Alfred is passed out on the floor and the enraged clone looking directly at Damien. Damien knows that he was raised from a Lazarus pit in England. He also understands that the temporary madness would have worn off by now, which means it isn't Bruce. Alfred awakes and grabs a hold of the clone's cape entering the elevator and closes the doors with the clone left on the other side. The clone begins to choke, but then wises up and cuts the cape with a battering. Damien then proceeds to throw his wheelchair and then goes into hiding. The clone recovers and searches for Damien. While searching, the clone begins to hallucinate and has everything all wrong. This was a really interesting panel. The clone imagines Joker in a Robin suit, Catwoman dressed as Riddler, a Bane and Scarecrow mix, Tim in the Batman of Zuranar costume, Gordon and Alfred combined, and uh, Huntress and it looks like Batwoman mix. This whole sequence is referring to the prior clones not being able to handle Batman's memories, and this clone seems to be having a similar problem. Damien then confronts the clone with a cable shooting electricity. Damien sees the clone step into a puddle of gasoline and throws the cable into the puddle, leading to a large explosion. We then cut back to the Lazarus pit, where Dick is now placing the body into the pit. The three of them wait briefly, and Batwoman quickly rises. As they begin to exit, they are met by Kate's father. 
Kate seems a little embarrassed and tells them that he is her military POC, which means point of contact for those of you keeping score at home. Kate's father asks what has happened, and she says she'll explain everything when it's all said and done. Back at Wayne Tower, the clone has risen from the flames and attacks Damien. The clone also has Damien by the throat and heads for the elevator. Upstairs, the clone is confronted by a paddle-wielding Alfred. Unfortunately, Alfred doesn't stand much of a chance and is quickly thrown aside. The clone takes Damien to the edge of the roof and then drops him. Luckily, Damien doesn't die. What a relief. And Dick swings in to save him just in the nick of time. So all of you who are hoping to see him uh, meet his imminent doom, uh, you're going to have to wait for that. Back on the roof, Alfred hits the clone in the face with the paddle. We then cut to Dick, who has dropped Damien off on another roof and heads towards Wayne Tower. Alfred is about to pay the price when uh, Batwoman appears and attacks him from behind. Dick then shows up and the two beat the clone senselessly. After being brutally beaten, the clone then collapses. Dick thanks Batwoman and says that they should do this again sometime, which she agrees. We then cut back to England, where Cyril and Squire have infiltrated King Cole's hideaway and make quick work of his men and then him. Back in the garage at Wayne Tower, Dick apologizes for his actions, but explains that he had to do it, because what if it turned out to be Bruce? And now he knows Tim was right all along. Bruce Wayne is still alive. Next in Batman and Robin, Batman vs. Robin. Thanks for saving my bacon, Robin. Hey, no problemo, Batman. Alright, so that's all the comics. So let's get into our review wrap-up. And we're going to continue the new format because that was pretty popular with the last one. So, let's start off with Gotham City Sirens. Gotham City Sirens overall was not a terrible issue. It was okay. The problem is with this book is I just don't really care. I kind of like that Enigma uh, had a larger role in the issue. Um... But I don't understand why he still seems sane here, and he seems completely insane in Batman. That might be due to the fact that Paul Dini has not written a book in God knows how long. I think Gilliam March, you know, he works within this book. I don't want him to really draw anything else, but I just, I don't care. Sirens for me, uh, honestly, to me, I think it was a little bit better than it has been. The gaggy issue, I think that was, that, I mean, that was a couple months ago, but that gaggy issue was was decent, and we really haven't seen anything decent for a while. And when I say decent, I'm not talking about it's good. I'm just saying it's better than expected. Well, I will agree with Zach. I do think that it it gave. I like the fact that Riddler got a little bit more of a role in this book, but at the same time, as Zach said. Why is uh, why are we a couple months behind what's actually happening in uh, Batman? With that being said, I think Sirens wasn't bad, and I'm interested to know where it's going to go as far as now it seems like we're kind of getting a normal baseline for the characters in the book. Well, what are you, what are you thinking about Gillian March's art, though? He can definitely draw women. <laughs> yeah, that he can. <laughs> well, because he went, he went to art school... Some erotic art school. So I can draw women. <laughs> I'm being serious. He went to some big academy about some something. I don't know. He used to draw erotic comics. Or, yeah, for full-figured women. The thing about his art, though, I think, is when I look at faces, and especially when I compare Harley, Selena, and uh, Ivy... They look, their face looks a lot, it looks really similar to me. Like, I don't, I mean, he draws... Well, that's because he can draw bodies, he can't draw right. faces. Yeah, I, well, 
But I, I think his art's okay. Like I don't it doesn't bother me when I'm reading the issue. It doesn't take me away from what little story is there anyway. But so I'm okay with him drawing that book. I don't know how okay I'll be with it when six six ninety eight when he comes on to Batman. Oh yeah. <laughs> As for something else though. But I thought this book was uh, a little bit better. I think Gilliam's art is, uh, as far as storyboards, it still needs a little bit more work. And um, I, I, I just hate when you have an artist that has real good potential, but has sometimes trouble telling the story through the through the artwork. But um, hopefully it improves. I, I really had high hopes for Sirens, but I mean, just like how Zach sounded, I, I kind of feel that's how fans sound, where it's just not, eh, it's, why are they doing this book, kind of, sort of. But um, I kind of liked it. I'm really just wondering when exactly they're going to cancel it because <laughs> that, that's true. Too. That's I mean, it's just a matter of time before it happens. I'm just waiting to see how many issues they're going to put out um, before they decide. Hey, we've we've given this a long enough shot, and then Dini's going to look like a fool because he let the one book that he probably could have done really well in go to the crap. So yeah. All right, so let's give our ratings. I'm going to give Sirens two out of five batterings. I will also give it two out of five batterings. I'm going to go ahead and give it a two and a half batterings, and I only say half only because Gilliam can draw women. All right, so overall, two out of five batterings for Gotham City Sirens, number nine. So uh, let's go right into Superman Batman 69. This is continuing the story from 68 where we had left off where... Uh, where we saw Energy X come in and we see a, a shapeshifter come into the story. You know, I, honestly, when we had heard about this story, when the, when the story was just going to be uh, picked up, uh, I honestly thought, man, this is just going to be dumb and doomed. And I just thought it was going to be eh. But I'm actually kind of liking it. I like the story. I love the artwork. I mean, the guy is, uh, it just looks like he's coming around to almost being something like a hidden gem for uh, DC. So hopefully Psyoff uh, uh, can really just, you know, get his pencils down pat, get the proportions of the characters down. And uh, with uh, Joe Casey telling the story, I mean, this was honestly, honestly, this is kind of a hard story to, to tell because, I mean, fans are kind of like, I always feel like, uh, with Batman in space, it's not going to come off right. So you're already going up a, a uphill on that you know type of story but um this is okay story i mean if you if if you're having fun if you just want to have fun just reading a comic book and just say yeah kind of just you know i don't want to get into the whole continuity part but um i i found a continuity error and this was from the last book (laughs) but i mean it's just fun and i'm i'm enjoying it right now this was one of the stories i'm kind of surprised with Figuring out that you know that one issue that happened right before the two Blackest Night issues kind of kind of made me think. Wait a second, we we uh, looked at that issue and we said it completely sucked, and mm. it did. But uh, when you put it together with these, it makes a lot more sense. I will say that uh, there's a decent amount of things that seems like uh, the reason why they're bringing this back is because of some of the things that are going to be happening later this year with uh, the war of with new. Krypton, so that's the only reason why I see this happening. But I mean, it's it's a pleasant surprise, and I think it was pretty decent. Yeah, it, it's fun. I mean, Superman, Batman historically is always hit or miss, and 
I I, th- I think it's you know it's just it's just fun and action book and the artist who also did the Batman Blackest Night miniseries, I definitely think that he is a guy to watch out for in the future because I I really like some of the art that I'm seeing there, but it it was just a fun issue. This book I'm gonna have to give it two and a half batterings out of five. Now we just gave the last book two and a half batterings and we kind of hated it. And you're saying, Apple, why you like this one, but you're only giving it two and a half? Because it's an uphill story to tell. And there is still a little detail that the artist still needs to work. Sayaf is going to be you know, pretty good, except he wasn't good this month to go ahead and warn a four-star or five-star. But um, I'm going to go ahead and give this two and a half batterings out of five. But it's a high two and a half batterings. All right, Superman, Batman, uh, I'm just going to give this one, I'm going to give it a three out of five because, like I said, I can kind of see where it's all starting to piece together and I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not enjoying it to the extent of a four or a five. So three out of five batterings. I will give it also two and a half out of five batterings. I like the art. It's just a high-energy, fun story, but it's, it's not something that I really, in my mind, need to read. All right, and Steve J. Rogers reviewed it on the website and gave it three and a half batterings. So that's going to bring the total for Superman Batman number 69 to three out of five batterings. All right, so that's going to take us into Batman Streets of Gotham number nine. Now, this issue, again, was solicited as being written by Paul Dini, and of course it wasn't. It was uh, the continuation of the story we read last month by Mike Benson. Overall, this was a pretty decent story. I liked the way it concluded, but there was a couple problems I had with it. The first problem being that we knew way too early who exactly the murderer was in this issue, specifically because they kept focusing on that Anthony the Doorman. Who cares about the Doorman? Why would the Doorman be talking unless he was relevant to the outcome of the story? So that was the one thing that I was kind of, uh, I really wish this happened a little bit different. The other thing I didn't like was the way Benson actually portrayed Batman. This seemed like it was a story that was specifically written for Bruce Wayne, and Deanie decided to take a little break or do whatever he's been doing, and they decided, oh, well, you wrote this decent story. We can plug this in, and it's not really going to jeopardize anything. You'll notice that the story does not have Damien in it. You'll also notice that the story, if you read this specific issue, uh, if you read what Batman's saying and how Batman's acting around Gordon, it's almost as if he is Bruce Wayne. There's nothing in the story whatsoever to contradict that this is not Bruce Wayne that's being written for other than the few editorial things that could have been changed down the line as far as just saying, you know, Dick and changing the name and the art itself obviously changed to make it not look like Bruce. But uh, overall, I mean, it wasn't a bad story. Uh, I think it... I think it was a good detective story. I just don't think it fit exactly where it was put. Especially since were left hanging in the middle of nowhere with uh, the Zaz story because Dini decides to take some time off. Yeah, and this it, it was a like unannounced, right? It was like an unannounced absence from this book, which kind of sucked. But or did this, it? Or or did it? <laughs> well, I mean, of course, you know we're a huge Paul Dini fan, so <laughs> speak for yourself. Okay, <laughs> Dini hater. Uh, <laughs> but I honestly, Dust, I mean, you were real nice on this book. I think Mike Benson couldn't say this. I mean, it's just like, it almost felt like they're just telling like another detective story, but it's not even a good one. 
I mean, Dustin, of course, you know, we love Dustin's artwork. For some reason, I get the feeling that, I mean, in a way, he was kind of rushed through this book. So, uh, I don't know, but his characters are still awesome. And, I, and the, the cover is awesome, too. Wait, so, could, you get the, could you get the feeling that he was maybe rushed because he already drew the issues for the other ones? <laughs> yeah. And he had to throw this one together very quickly because uh, Dini decided not to have the scripts done? You know what? I wanted to give a better fact, but let's just break it out. It looked like there was like, uh oh, these take a break. Go ahead and uh Dus, can you go ahead and do this real quick? <laughs> That's and what I, it felt like. I honestly I honestly felt like it was just put together. This is not Dustin's uh, range of artwork by by none and by far. I mean we we've always we're fans of his and we know his artwork right off the bat, so that tells you right that. And Benson's not even telling a good story, so I, I think you were being kinda nice in your review, but Honestly, oh man, this is kind of bad. Well, now Apple's gonna make me look like a complete idiot. Uh, <laughs> I did not get, I didn't get the sense that Dustin Gwynn was rushed. I, I thought his art was fine, and I t- totally agree with the fact that the murderer is revealed right off the bat, right after the uh, continuation from the last issue. Once he's addressed in the issue, it, it gives it away. Um, but it's very, it's, it's very cliche detective story and and it's mike benson's two-part story this is kind of what i wanted to see in this book because for me batman has always been a detective first and it seems like in all the other books they don't really address that too much anymore now whether it was really a good murder mystery or not you know that's debatable but i really liked gordon at in this issue how they really used him more than they have in any of the other books I mean, he shows up in Batman here and now and then, but that's – we'll save that for later. And um, <laughs> I liked it, um, but I totally – I think that Dick is completely out of character in this book. The dialogue is – it's just – it's not Dick. It is really hard-boiled. It's very – he's very unforgiving. And he's accusing people right off the bat. I'm like, that – uh, what? So – I was I was okay with the book. I there were definitely some errors, but it didn't really detract me from enjoying it. All right, so that's going to bring us to the ratings. Uh, I'm going to give this one three out of five bad ranks. Oh man, Dust, I can't I can't do that, man. I mean, I, I love Dustin Wynn. I love him, but I, I can't forgive for for some of the the rushness that was put through this book. So uh, I'm going to go go ahead and give this a low. Two batterings out of five. I will give it four out of five batterings. And Z Factor on the website reviewed the book, and he gave it four out of five batterings as well. So that's going to make Batman Streets of Gotham number nine a three and a half out of five batterings. So let's move into Outsiders. Outsiders. Um, last time Josh reviewed this, and he expressed that the characters in this book are very angry. Now, I've read older Outsiders issues, but this is the first issue that I've read in the the new run. And I got to tell you, they are very angry in this issue. Um, it, it's not terrible, but that's not really telling you anything. Um, for somebody that hasn't read a lot of Outsiders and I read this, this gave me no desire to read any more Outsiders. Uh, everybody just seems to be upset the entire time, and they're on the edge, and nobody seems to trust each other. So, Dan DiDio, your new co-publisher, stick with the uh, stick with that position. And 
Now, however, though, Don Kramer um, is a guy that I've always really liked, and I really thought he was really good in this issue. Um, he, to me, draws good superhero comics, and he's he's very traditional, but he's got a little bit of his own unique flair to the way he draws characters, but I thought he was really good in this book, but DiDio just... Everybody seems so mad. Why can't we be friends? When I read this issue, again, this was another issue that I really haven't been reading, but after it kind of switched over to DiDio, I went back and read that other issue from last month, and then I read this issue as well, and you are exactly right. Not only is everybody angry, but there's not really an explanation of why they're all angry. You know why some of them are angry, but you don't understand why they're all angry. You also don't understand that if Geoforce is leading these guys and he's making a bad decision, why they are all sticking with him. I don't get that. Um, and they don't really explain it at all whatsoever. So I, I don't really get why they're doing that. Um, I will say that uh, Don Kramer's art is good, but what happened to Philip Tan? Uh, why is he doing the art if Philip Tan was supposed to be doing this big team up with Dan DiDio? But I'll tell you what, right here, right now, uh, Dan DiDio, step in my office because you're fired. This <laughs> sucks. I mean, exactly. yeah, Dustin, you said what happened to his magical team up. Philip, Philip Tan is an awesome artist. When he was doing the Green Lantern stuff and the Green Lantern Corps stuff, I mean, he was ripping it up over there. Uh, what happened in between then? And now he's going to get teamed up with Dandy Dio in this story? I mean, what's going on? I mean, Geoforce is a, you know, he's a cool character. He doesn't seem like a cool character in this. Yeah, um, I think if, he, if you're going to write a book with Outsiders, uh, you have to come represent. And Dandy Dio did not do that in this book. Honestly, if Dan DiDio stays on this book for a long period of time, I see this I see this book being canceled, which is not going to say much about the person who's going to be who's the current co-publisher. I'm just saying. The one thing I did like and I got to put this in there is that I did like the introduction of the uh Masters of Disaster because that's taking back to the original outsiders from the 80s because those character, well, not all of them, but five of the characters, or three three of the five characters, were of the original team Masters of Disasters, which was a team that the Outsiders faced. So that was kind of a cool kind of throwback to uh, the original Outsiders. But at the same time, I'm not really seeing where exactly they're going, and I don't get the team up with Eradicator, so I will just have to see. Well, it's not even the real Eradicator. Yeah, it's a clone. Yeah, yeah. It's a clone. And, and I would say about the Masters of Disasters, I'm sure Dan DiDio said, hey, Jeff Johns, what can you tell me about the outsiders? <laughs> and he said, well, let me uh, open up my brain of the encyclopedia, and hey, Masters of Disasters from the outsiders. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to use that. That's, that's yeah. what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right, so outsiders, I'm going to give this one three out of five batterings. Oh, man. Wow, you've been nice tonight, Dust. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and be the bad guy. I'm going to go ahead and give this one and a half batterings. I mean, it was, I mean, don't even spend your money on this. Um, I'm going to give it two out of five batterings. And I said, if you like Don Kramer, then you'll like this book. You just don't read the words. (laughs) All right. So Outsiders number 27 gets an overall rating of two and a half batterings out of five. All right. So let's go over into Azrael. Okay, Azrael number five. Fabian, man, you know, this, this guy can tell a story. 
Roman Bach, I don't I don't know why the you know shoot what should be the team up is Fabian and Philip Tan. That would probably make a good Azriel book. But uh in issue five, I, I don't know why this you know, like we get the standalone issue with, with Ragman, but then it automatically ends with it. And I uh where's the art? I mean, you have a very cool character in Ragman. You bring him in and he goes back and forth and banters with Asriel as far as beliefs and their standings and then hey guess what book's over oh what Uh, and the build-up to it was like okay you know i was getting it it was going pretty cool you know and it's a story that i think uh in comic books you know we always like to tell stories that people don't like to tell so we bring in some some aspects of the middle east that you know americans are not really familiar with but we bring those aspects in to normal day every everyday America because they are here. I mean, sometimes we just choose to ignore it. But this book went ahead and tackled it very well. Roman box art didn't tell the story well. And I I, I mean sometimes I feel like he's almost slacking where he's just using inks and I you don't really see the artwork come out in pencil form where he put lays it out. And so I think I think he's just missing that. But um, for some reason, and an odd reason, I don't know why, but this Azrael with Raymond Bach, it, it's starting to stick in my head that this is the way he's, he's just going to carry on with Azrael. So um, I think it's a very good, I think it's a very good uh, story. However, the artwork is just not matching the the story of the book. I mean, and you're going with about, you know, it, it was what, two ninety nine, I think. Um, for some reason, I mean, I feel like I'm just spending two ninety nine on Fabian, and I'm not getting the rest for from for the artwork. Yeah, overall, I read the book and I thought it was pretty decent. I did like how they brought in Ragman because we haven't really seen Ragman since Battle for the Cowl, and he's kind of a character that is obviously in Gotham, and he obviously watches over a part of Gotham, but we don't really see him or hear about him very often. So it's I did like that, but you're absolutely correct. He, the story w- that involved him was very minimal when they could have made it a lot more. And I think this could have been carried over into being something a little bit more than it was. This was obviously just a one-issue, one-story type thing, but definitely agree with you on the art. Uh, <laughs> Fabian is trying as hard as he can to make this a good book, and the art's just crap, in my opinion. And he's the one that's saving it. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't him writing the book, who, this book would have been canceled already. And like everybody keeps talking about, well, how long is the Azrael series actually going to last? Is it going to last 100 issues like the last one? Uh, I definitely don't think that's the case. Um, they need to get a new artist on this book, and they need to get a new artist fast. Right. I just, the way I feel about Azrael having a book now is, and, you know, the, the series that won 100 issues. Azrael was popular in the 90s. To bring him back with some random cop or whatever, uh, I don't know, I just, I don't, it kind of is the way I feel about Sirens. I don't care. I don't think it's necessary. And Ramon Bach is very bad. Yes, he is. Um, and well, you I, know, to yeah. add on to yours, Zach, that... I know you were talking about Michael Lane. Not he. I mean, he's like a sort of cop coming back. I mean, right. in in the '90s when Azrael was coming back through that through that whole, uh, you know, when Batman got his back broken and the whole Nightfall thing that was coming up, John Paul was being established. The thing was that it gave us uh, somehow DC always gives us some guy to, to hate 
that's going to always be around Batman or in connection real tight with Batman. And so through that time, we knew G- John Pauly was going to be not there. You know what I mean? So we, we the, the actual moment that we knew that he was not going to be there is when he started doing acts where it was not Batman-like. Okay? So we knew he was never going to be in that part. But the evil side that brought him to, to be part of Azrael, that was very cool. And so I think that's where Azrael took off. But coming with this character right now, it's it's just very it's very different. But Fabian is doing a a great part in going back in flashbacks. The one thing I have to say is, I agree with you in in the idea of oh yes, there always has to be somebody who's around that's uh, not a good character or more of an evil character. But they could have done that with Jason Todd when they brought him back for Battle for the Cow. They didn't have to do Azrael. I'm not going to go as far as to say that they could have, they could have made Jason Todd Azrael, but uh, they could have kept him around and just been that character like he was back in Under the Red Hood. Good call. That would have been a, that would have been excellent if they would have done that. Yeah. All right. So Azrael, I'm going to give this one. Uh, I really want to give it a higher one, but I'm going to only give it two out of five, only because the art brings this book down so much. I'm going to go ahead and give this two and a half batterings. Because the artwork is just not there with the storytelling. I'm going to give it one out of five batterings. All right, so that's going to give Azrael number five a total of two out of five batterings. All right, so let's go into Batman 696. Uh, overall, this story, I swear, the more we continue with this story arc that Tony Daniel is trying to tell, it just seems like we're getting further and further into this giant black hole of never-ending I don't know how this book is going to wrap up all these crazy loose ends that he's created in the last couple months in the next issue. I just don't see how it's going to happen. We're going to find out who Black Mask is, which, great, we find out who Black Mask is, but there's so many other loopholes that need to be fixed, and I just don't see it happening. We already know that one of them's not going to be fixed, and we're not going to find out what the heck is going on with the Riddler until later on. But why even bother finishing the story arc if you're not going to finish all of the things? Oh, wait, you can't because you're a writer who doesn't know how to write a story that has a conclusion. And that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm seeing here. The art, I, I don't have anything wrong with Tony Daniels' art. I have a problem with his writing. And I just, like, well, not to mention he did the number one thing that all of us despise, which is jumping around all over the place in time, like Chris Yost was doing on Red Robin for a while until maybe he listened to the podcast and heard us say that we hate that and he stopped doing it. But Daniel obviously isn't listening to the podcast, and somebody should send him an email and tell him to listen to it because he's not supposed to be doing that. That's stupid. And the only the only plus side was that he actually showed the timeline of this was X amount of hours before this was X amount of hours before, which great. But then the story doesn't have it. I mean, it's it's obviously not linear. But at the same time, it's just like, really, why are we even bothering with this? And to me, it's just really annoying. And I'm getting really sick of him introducing new characters, bringing in these old characters, and. And then we're still not finding out exactly what the heck is going on. And I also have a problem because this is happening at a specific point in time where there's a lot of other things that are contradicting what's going on. And that's not his fault necessarily. That's editorials. Why do we have Damien paralyzed in one book 
Damien's fine in another book. Oh, why, why, why? <laughs> well, I can tell Tony Daniel through his writing. He, I mean, he's a fanboy. And, you know, having read through his stories throughout the years, uh, from whatever he's done from Spawn through the tent through now doing what he does in Batman, I, I know he, he's a fanboy. And the thing is that sometimes his writing is just not there. But, I mean, he does do what he does good is, you know, he can draw uh, where if you want to get in a fight, you know, rock him, sock him, punch him type style. Uh, he's very good at that. But uh, as far as the storyteller, uh, he's, you know, he ought to get lessons from Fabian. <laughs> so if he can sit down with Fabian and learn how to tell a story, it would be pretty good. But, um, yeah. That's Batman 696 for me right there. Tony Daniels a fanboy, but to all you fanboys out there, every fanboy thinks that they can make a comic. It doesn't mean they should. He, every time I read Batman, I just get, I get so frustrated because everything is just completely out of whack all the time. I've, and, and the fact that this is the main book bugs me more than ever because... It may not be the main book as far as um, the most important, which I think everybody agrees is Batman and Robin, but this is the main title. And when things like Streets of Gotham are better than what's going on in this book, I, I guess I have a problem with because this book is supposed to be – everything goes, is supposed to go through this book, and that's not what's going on right now. And I, I've said it before. He, he got himself in trouble way back at the beginning when he decided he was going to introduce – uh, six or seven rogues into this story and then have them play a role but then they disappear and then he he's not going to uh, explain what happened and I think he should have done that the artwork I'm not I don't like his art I think from when he started drawing Batman to what he's doing now it just keeps getting weaker and weaker and weaker to me so I I don't I don't like it so Batman is very disappointing to me. All right, so I'm going to give this one uh, three out of five batterings. I'm going to go ahead and give this uh, three batterings out of five. I'm going to give it two out of five batterings. All right, and Riddle Me This reviewed it on the website and gave it four out of five batterings, so that's going to give Batman 696 a total of three out of five batterings. So let's get into Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. Bat Batman and Robin was a really fun issue. Um, it was wacky, and I thought that the action sequences were a lot of fun, and they were really well done by Cameron Stewart. Uh, there are a lot. There are a couple pages in this book that are really cool to look at, like the hallucination scene, and also the fighting scene at the end with Batwoman and Dick taking out the clone. I thought that was really cool, coolly paneled. And I thought it was a really great way to wrap up the story. Uh, my one complaint is, after seeing this thing end, what, what was really the point of Batwoman coming into this book? Talked about it on the forums. It, to me, it seems like it was to get, somehow get her introduced to Dick and Damien. But it, it didn't, it's okay. But, but I, really, I really like this issue. And you know, everybody knows that you're not going to get me to say anything bad about Grant Morrison. 
Batman and Robin, This Is You, as Zach said, uh, was pretty enjoyable. I did like the fact that uh, I can, uh, here's the thing. I can kind of see why they brought back uh, Batwoman in, and that's because they needed to have her part of what's going on currently. We've seen what's happened in the past with her. Uh, Detective Comics is kind of going with something that's happened now, but not really at all. Um, I will say that uh, it was important to get her introduced and to have her at least realize that Batman is not Bruce Wayne, which is, I think, important. But uh, at this point in time, what's the point? Cameron Stewart's art is good. I wish he was on one of these other books that uh, there was an artist that we think sucks on there because I think he could do a much better job on a lot of different books that he would be on. One thing that I would like to see is... I mean, we're going to see it in the coming issues, the conclusion of this uh, this domino killer. This was kind of, to me, it was kind of like a one-off because we didn't really get any continuation like we did with the first two story arcs. And there's a lot of characters that we really haven't seen in a while that I know they're going to bring back because Morrison's always about concluding his things, which, unlike some people, <coughs> Tony Daniel, Daniel. Uh, <laughs> is... Uh, He's very good about giving conclusion, but at the same time, it seemed like this was real one-off, and it was really to kind of help explain what that body that we all saw at the end of Final Crisis was. So for that, I applaud them, but for at the same time, we're losing track of where we're going here. You know, uh, I had a very uh, destined moment uh, when I read this book. Because from the last issue where Batwoman had, uh, when she took the morphine and died, I got kind of like, I was like, oh, crap, is she really dead? I was like, man, <laughs> they invested in us and to read about it and I kind of care about her now. And then uh, when this issue came out, sometimes I can ask Destin about something. He just comes up with like the simplest answer you never thought of. And uh, I was like all sad because I was like, oh, man, you know, hopefully she's not dead. The Lazarus Pits right there. And I was like, oh, crap, duh. <laughs> so that was, I, I, it was something I didn't think about, but something I, you know, I waited for getting this issue to read about. But that's Grant Morrison, man. I was like, that was awesome. But uh, seeing Square and I, I love them, man. So uh, I, li- I like it. I love it. And you were right about uh, Cameron Stewart. I mean, he should be on Asriel right now. I'm not going to go as far as to say Azrael. I think he could do a little bit better if he was actually drawing Batman. But uh, I think if 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 he goes from Batman and Robin, and they say, "Hey, you want to draw Azrael?" That's that to me would be an insult. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Agreed. All right. So Batman and Robin number nine. Uh, I'm going to give this one three and a half batterings out of five. I really like this one. So uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, love Grant Morrison's writing. I'm going to go ahead and give this four batterings out of five. And I'm going to give it five out of five batterings. All right, so that's going to give Batman Robin number nine a total of four and a half batterings out of five. All right, so that is the review wrap-up. Lots of comics and lots of discussion, but that's what you guys said you wanted, and we're giving it to you, and hopefully you guys continue to like it. All right, so that's going to take us into Bat Books for Beginners, and let's throw it over to Nick. Welcome back, loyal listeners, to BBFB. This is Nick, your host, and today I'm looking at the 30th book that I've reviewed. Can you believe it? It's just flown by, but it's now the 30th book that I've reviewed on BBFB. 
and today I'm looking at Nightwing Year One, which was published in 2005. It's written by Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon. Both of them wrote Robin and Batgirl Year One together, which have already been favourably reviewed on this show. The art's provided by Scott McDaniel, who has worked on the Nightwing series, the Batman series, Detective and the Robin series. Now, I've always been fascinated with Nightwing, and now I finally get to learn his origin. But will I be satisfied? Here, kid. I think you lost this. I could have handled him. Coulda, woulda, didn't. You sound just like Batman. I'm nothing like him. Yeah, right. The mask, the attitude, the long underwear. Drop it! I'd love to know what happened between you two. Things change. No kidding. You guys used to be the greatest. Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo. Maybe you should ask him. I did. And you'll never guess what he said. Things change. The book opens with Robin, Dick Grayson Robin, in a rush to aid Batman in a fight against Clayface. He arrives late, after aiding the Teen Titans in their latest matter. After defeating Clayface, Bruce has words with Dick back at the cave, and decides to fire him. Dick is forced to leave the new costume Alfred's made for him, and leaves very upset. Dick travels to Metropolis to talk to Superman about the situation. Superman tells him of an old Kryptonian hero called Nightwing, who was also an outcast from his family. Dick kind of likes the name. Superman tells him he needs a home first before he can begin a crime-fighting career, and Dick returns to the circus to continue his trapeze act. Whilst at the circus, Dick meets Dead Man, but soon realises after an incident involving a lion that he should be protecting people. He just has to do it on his own now. We also learn that Dead Man is spying on Dick for Bruce, who is clearly keeping updated on Dick's situation. Nightwing is then born and introduces himself to Commissioner Gordon and begins travelling around Gotham with Barbara, reintroducing himself to all the major villains in Gotham to strike fear into their hearts. Barbara is unsure which side to take in this Bat family conflict, but aids Dick for the meantime. Meanwhile, Bruce is training the new Robin, Jason Todd, in the cave for his first mission. The old and the new Robin meet for the first time and it doesn't go down well. Bruce has a plan for Todd's training, dressing Alfred up as Two-Face and setting up a supervillain challenge. Things go wrong, however, when Killer Croc spots the fake Two-Face, actually Alfred, and kidnaps him with the in-disguise Bruce attacked and forced to sit out the operation. Bruce decides to send the new Robin and Dick in his place to recover Alfred from Killer Croc, though the teamwork isn't great. The two find Alfred tied up and release him, however they struggle to take down Croc, and with the aid of Batgirl, eventually do. However, we see that the Bat family seems stronger than ever, but Nightwing is now ready to take his first solar steps and leave the nest. Still an ally to Bruce. Where's the Joker? I, I don't know. Daddy! Remember now? Batman, not like this. Not in front of his family. The sooner he talks, the sooner we leave. I'm out of here now. Now, with this book, I'd like to start reviewing it with some of the more annoying things. Batman firing Dick Grayson as Robin. Here's the first issue. Dick gets fired because he wasn't at Bruce's side when he needed him. I'm not sure that Batman firing Robin 
is better than Robin giving up the role. It adds fake tension to everything, and it makes Dick and Bruce look like they've got a conflict with each other. So I'm really not sure about the manner of the breakup between the two. I thought this was the worst I've seen so far, and I think it's very abrupt for Dick to suddenly be fired after all the years of service, and for Bruce to be so stupid and overreactive. He's usually calm and thoughtful most of the time, and it seemed like a stupid decision for him to make, and one I would never see him doing. Another strange point was Nightwing's visit to the Joker and all the other villains in Gotham. I thought this was just really stupid. You'd have to be very dopey to go around taunting all the villains for no good reason. Just because he's the new Nightwing, he thought he'd go around and taunt everyone. And he says to Barbara, what's the point of locking these people up if you can't screw with them? Very ignorant thing to say. Very strange characterization, And again, something like Bruce a minute ago, I wouldn't expect to say. But I did enjoy some good, there was some good stuff, I thought Dick talking to Superman was good fun, and learning about Nightwing's name. But I found reading Nightwing Year One that the story is as much about Nightwing's origins, with plenty of Jason Todd's origins too, making this as much Nightwing's story as it could be the precursor to the Year One story of the second Robin. The appeal of Jason Todd as, a, as the new Robin was that hopefully he would be tougher, more complicated than the clean-cut Dick Grayson. And here the writers demonstrate that appeal well, but not immediately. Over the course of the book, they turn Jason Todd from a smart-mouthed kid to a flawed, promising Robin. Firstly, he is an annoying brat, but Dick eventually begins to see himself in Jason. And the reader gets to see what benefits we might get as a new Robin in Jason Todd. But they instantly make him an unlikable character, but we get to... Uh, sympathise and find more interest in him as the book goes along. Batgirl is another one in this book where the characterisation was strange. In this comic she's willing to trick Nightwing at Batman's command. It's an unpleasant side to the character and doesn't really mesh with the Barbara that we know. I did enjoy the Some Days You Can't Get Rid of a Bomb reference from the 60s movie. Excellent. I found Deadman to be a little bit confusing as I don't really know his back backstory or much of the character so I was really not that interested at this point in the book but I did like seeing Bruce spying on Dick just to show he does care and feels maybe he's made a mistake the art was cartoony but not off-putting and reminded us that this is a comic Dustin mentioned recently in a comic podcast about realism in comic art and how it's not necessary I generally prefer it myself but I felt I could get into this story regardless of the comic-y style and it does work in certain areas as long as it's done correctly i thought it was done well here i thought the test with alfred involved dressing up as two-face seemed a bit far-fetched as a test what if jason killed alfred uh, by accident bruce again seems a little bit out of character with this decision and he's putting people at risk and making strange decisions all over the place so overall there were many out-of-character moments for Bruce, Batgirl, Dick, and we're just starting to get to know Jason's character, who is a tricky one to make interesting. But generally, it was an interesting origin, but weaker than Batgirl Year One and Robin Year One. Plus, there were certain actions, significant ones like the breakup and Nightwing's first night out, that weren't done how I felt they should have been and could have been a lot better. So in conclusion, okay, could have been a lot better. Had plenty of potential, didn't reach it. Three out of five Batarangs. It wasn't like that. I volunteered. You think you did? You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings, anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. 
The game's over, Batman. I quit. Robin, wait. Next time I'm doing a select amount of issues from the Batman series, 408 through to 411, where we learn in detail about how Bruce came across Jason Todd and how Jason inherited the Robin mantle. So look forward to that significant change in the Bat family next time. Hope you enjoyed this segment. I've been Nick. See you next time. Hey, no one can be a boy wonder forever. Alright, so that was Bat Books for Beginners. Let's get into our upcoming releases for the next two weeks. Poison Ivy. It's been a long time, Harvey. You're still looking halfway decent. Half of me wants to strangle you. And what does the other half want? To hit you with a truck. We used to date. Ah. On March 10th, we have Batman the Widening Gear, number five of six, which... Let's just wait and actually see if it happens since we last. <laughs> That's cold. <laughs> to be last, honest with you, if it doesn't last, happen, we'd probably all be better off. The last podcast we said it was coming out and it got delayed again. But, you know, hey, they split it up from 12 issues to 6 to make sure it came out on time. Anyway, Batgirl <laughs> number 8, Batman Robin number 10, Batman Heart of Hush. Gotham City Sirens number 10 and Red Robin number 10. Now, why is Sirens jumping up to the beginning of the month? No idea. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, March 17th, Azrael number 6, Batman number 697. We will finally find out who Black Mask is, as well as Batman International. So that's your upcoming releases. As far as what we will be reviewing on the next podcast, we'll be reviewing Detective Comics number 862, Batman Confidential number 42, Batgirl number 8, Batman number 10, Gotham City Sirens number 10, Red Robin number 10, and if it comes out, Batman Whitening Gear number 5. Alright, so just as normal, you can go over to the website and read about all the daily news that happens as it happens. You can check out a bunch of previews that normally happen that we don't obviously talk about on here, but there's normally at least three or four previews of books that are coming out every single week, so you can check those out. You can head over to the forums and chat with other uh, Batman fans. As Zach was mentioning, we've been having a lot of discussions about Batman and Robin, Jason Todd, and Batwoman as well. So you can, and if, of course, you still can't get into the forums, uh, I specifically call out somebody by the name of Surfer Guy or Surfer Dude, because somebody's been registering numerous times as one of those under those names. Um, if you are a person who is actually real, send us an email. Or if you can't, can't get your account activated, send us an email and we'll make sure to approve your account. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can also head over and subscribe to our YouTube page for all the latest videos. Obviously nothing comic related, but there is always movie and TV videos that are posted all the time. You can leave us a review on iTunes. That's always greatly appreciated as we haven't had one in quite some time. And those of you who have reviewed us on iTunes, thank you. And for those of you out there who have just started listening to the podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first episodes because you'll be greatly surprised at how different the episodes are now compared to back then. Yeah! Next episode will in fact be episode number 40, so we will have a couple little 
special things. Nothing too big because 40 is just a number. Uh, but we will have a couple new things for you. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Apple. And this is Zach. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys. Bye. This looks like like a a copycat of like Captain Cold. Yeah, he's Captain Cold and Cyclops, like transforming into one dude. Oh, I. Oh, whoopee! Yes, Tony Daniel. I'm so excited. I think you were confused along with the rest of the world. Yeah. Well, I don't think the rest of the world's reading Gotham City Sirens. All right, I'm just. What's what's going on with your mic? Is suddenly, am I the only one who hears it or no? Who me? It, yeah. There's like a little cutting sound or something like tick tick. I don't hear the tick. I, he just sounds like he suddenly got like some feedback coming from his mic. Yeah. Is it still bad? Is it? Uh. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Is it better? Keep talking. I'm still talking. There we go. Now it's the, there. He goes. Okay. Let's right. get started before it happens again. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a little disorganized. Don't get mad. Get glad. Real quick, I don't really think his name is Adrian. Is it no, I, I think it's... Wow, did I say... I said Adrian, right? Yeah, you keep saying Adrian. Yo, Adrian! Ardian, maybe. I think it's Ardian. All right. And... That's mine, now. No, it's... What? Run streets. Oh, oh, oh no! no. I, He's talking about the dog. <laughs> yeah, I I was gonna jump the gun with. I'm gonna mute my mic and okay, put him in a okay. closet. Well, okay, I give it four out of five batterings. Oh, this piece of you crap! You're not gonna give that. Four you look. You look. No, I, I didn't. Did I, I can hear you clicking. I can. You can hear me clicking. But I was on the All main. Right, fine. Say it again. Say it again. It's a, he doesn't seem like a cool character in this. Did we just lose him? Who's that? No, you. You, got, you, got, you said cut off completely. It doesn't even seem like, and then you just stopped. <laughs> what? Are you serious? I, I kept talking. Well, we didn't hear it. What, what, what part did you... Oh, my God. I just went on a whole rant. You were well, like... We heard the whole thing except like, for... Geoforce is a cool character. It doesn't seem like he's <laughs> a cool character, but it's something like... <laughs> and then that was it. Are you serious? Just say the last sentence over oh, again. Okay. Well, well, she did have the sign and she took it, died, and uh, I was like was thinking, more, man, hey, she. Hey, 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 it was morphing. Morphing. Anybody want to guess what I'm going to give it? Five out of five. <laughs> I'm going to give it five are you out of look five. On the, are you going to look at the internet? Did you review I it? I didn't review it. <laughs> hey, Zach, Dustin busted you looking on the internet. <laughs> I didn't. I that swear to God, awesome. I didn't. I didn't get there in time. I did not. Get I hear there. you scrolling. I hear you scrolling. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, so I'm gonna let you guys go. Why do you think Dick Grayson works oh, at Batman? Oh again? man. <laughs>
You want me to hang on a second? Am I bad still? Yeah. How long are you going to be using wireless? <laughs> For the next month. Oh. Oh, my. No. Do they know you like Batman? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I, I, pretty much everybody knows that. All right. For me. <laughs> Zach, you have to start coming out, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, come out of the back cave. Yeah. Yeah, come out of the back cave. <laughs> uh, Do they know you like Batman? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I... Pretty much everybody knows that. All right. For me. <laughs> Zach, you have to start coming out, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, come out of the back cave. Yeah. Yeah, come out of the back cave. <laughs> uh, right.